Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for grace and for mercy and for love that comes from you through Jesus Christ to us. And Lord, we thank you for, uh, Lord, just the freedom that you've given us to be here today, to worship together, to open your word together. Lord, we recognize that so many people across, across the world desire that privilege, but don't have that privilege. They live in oppression and they live in persecution. And so, Lord, we pray for them today. We ask that you would give them endurance. We ask that you would give them perseverance. And, Lord, we ask that today, that as we study your word, that you would give us the grace that we need to obey and uh, the ability to be the people that you've called us to be. Help us to be mindful of our brothers and sisters around the world who, um, Lord, who need you. Help us to be aware and to be motivated by the billions of people that have never heard the name of Jesus And Lord, help us to live our lives so that they may too hear your name and hear the story of Jesus and the gospel and come to know life and life abundantly through him. Lord, we ask that you would be with us today as we open your word, reveal yourself to us, and give us the ability to be changed by the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For those of you that are new here, my name is Jeremy Lucarelli. We're glad that you're here. If you weren't um, hounded by the people at the back desk, If you could stop by there later on your way out and say hello, we would love that. A couple announcements before we get into what we're actually going to be doing today. Um, One, depending on the weather, uh, this afternoon is sports. Where's Mike? Sports? Yes? Ten people came last week. Talk to Josh. He has the stuff today. Are we doing sports today? 3.30. Awesome. Bob Eden. Brilliant. Uh, tonight, first Sunday uh, of the month, we have first Sunday services here at First Eulis. And uh, tonight is the night of prayer. I think that starts at 6 or 6.30. Somebody go look in the bathroom. 6? Okay. All the things are in the bathroom. Um, 6. So we would love for you to come for that and basically spend your whole day here. That's awesome. No. Um. We also have, we're trying this new thing out. If you have your smartphone with you, those of you that were here on Wednesday night did this with us. If you have your smartphone, your iPhone, your Blackberry, whatever you call it, uh, we have a link where we're putting the notes that we have for today. And Amy, if you could go ahead and pass out all that stuff, that'd be great. Um, If you are one of those people that don't like paper and want to save trees, we've already killed the trees and used the paper, but you can also use your phone and go along with it too. Um, here's the link for it if you want to go along. It's this, it's this great app if you have an iPhone called Version, And you can do it on your phone and you can do it online too where it has a reading plan, it gives you uh, study helps, it, it gives you all kinds of stuff. If you've already downloaded the app on your phone, Kevin, our tech guy, told me that you can go on Version, click it, and look for live events in the area and you'll see the event in this room. You'll also see the event across the street. You'll also see the event in the youth, and don't choose those because you're not in there. Okay, so kind of cool. That way when you go home and you're like, what did we talk about today? Um, You can find out. We good? Take one down, pass it around. We've been talking about uh, this new series that we've been doing called Revolution, and let's kind of rehash what we looked at last week. Um, number one, we ask the question, what is a revolution? Somebody help me out with that. What is a revolution? Wait for it. What? Breaking out of the norm. Anything else? Revolution. A movement for change. Okay. Sometimes good, sometimes bad, right? Give me an example of bad revolution. If I wanted you all to be better followers of Jesus and I grabbed my shotgun and followed you around and threatened to kill you anytime that you were not a good follower of Jesus, that would be an example of good or bad revolution. Okay, I guess it depends on your opinion of good and bad. Bad revolution, uh, wars that are started by guerrillas who 
uh, want to take things into their own hands and overthrow governments uh, could be good, could be bad, usually bad. Um, but that's not the kind of revolution that we're talking about. What kind of revolution have we been talking about for the past week? Jesus said, all of the law, all of the prophets hinge on these two things. These two greatest commandments. What were the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then the second part of that revolution that's totally different, totally added to, totally reconfigured from what they understood the revolution to be. What did Jesus add? And... Okay, let's take that first part. Love your neighbor. Okay, we get that as yourself. And that kind of redefines it a little bit. Not just love your neighbor, but love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's the revolution that we've been talking about. That's the revolution that Jesus started a long time ago and has revolutionized the way that we do things. Then, we, last week we looked at, okay... There's all of these expectations that people have for us, okay? We talked about work. What are some of the work expectations that people, uh, that our employers have of us? Give me some work expectations. This is to get you a little oiled up so that you're used to talking to me. Andrew, what's a work expectation? Show up relatively on time, right? Yeah. And if you don't show up on time consistently, what happens? Reprimanded. You get called into the office, you get whatever teachers get, right? Go stand in the corner, write a hundred times, I will not be late, okay? Um, Holly, you started a new job. What's an expectation for your job? To watch the kids. She is a child care provider, so therefore she's not um, laying out in the sun while the kids are in the room uh, wreaking havoc on the room, right? It's the expectation, and you know that expectation, and you don't try to shrink away from that expectation. You do it because it's what's expected of you. Okay, spotlight on the couples in the room. Maybe this direction right here. I love that y'all sat on the front row, too. What's an expectation within a dating relationship? To be nice. Oh, okay. Everybody, to be nice, all right? If you're a nice person, you can be in a dating relationship. Okay, good expectation, clue in for some of you. A good expectation in a dating relationship, I'm really nervous, is don't date anybody else, right? It is a wow for some people. Oh, you mean I'm not dating three people at once? Yes, okay. Beth, from the female perspective, give us a good, you know, this is a good expectation. Spend time together, okay? Good. Dear, dare I go to the marriage relationship here? What's an expectation in marriage? Mm. No, no. Pay the bill, because Joel's married. Uh. <laughs> yes, jewelry. Jewelry is good. Mother's Day is coming up. My three-year-old daughter doesn't buy jewelry, but who knows? Okay, go ahead. We got to be out of here soon, so just give me one expectation. Come home. Okay. Eventually. <laughs> Those of us who were here till 1.30 on Wednesday night, the admonition was, come home, okay? All right, so dating, marriage, we got the expectations. What about um, family? You are still a son or daughter in your family. What's an expectation that your family has on you? Some of them might not be that great, but What? Go ahead, Tracy. We love Tracy comments. Okay, time, be nice, come home. 
Write a little note every once in a while. Okay? Anything else? Amanda, what's an expectation from your family? To provide for, to get off the payroll of mom and dad. That's a good expectation. Okay? So we know all these expectations usually going into it. Uh, when you get hired for a job, you usually sit down with your employer. Here's the expectations I have of you. And then you're given the opportunity to say, well, okay, here's some expectations that I'd like to see too. Maybe a 401k, something like that, or some time off, or a vacation, or all of those things, that'd be great. Um, well, what is God's expectation of us? We willingly meet all those expectations for our employer, for our relationships, for our family, for our boyfriend, girlfriend. We go out of our way to meet those expectations, and yet, what is God's expectation of us? And it depends on who you talk to. Some people say, well, you got to do this, don't do this. You got to do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Maybe do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then on the other category, other camp, they just say, oh, grace. Grace covers it all. Do whatever you want because God forgives and gives grace. So who's right, who's wrong, and how do we know? And that's why we've come back to this verse again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and some other translations and some other places in Scripture put in your strength as well. And then number two, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So that's what we've been talking about for the past week, and that's where we are going to continue this week. Um, have you ever heard the phrase, for the love? Has anybody ever said that to you? Yeah, explain to me what that means when someone says, for the love. Okay, like, for the love. Okay, I, I'm, in, I'm in the car, and somebody pulls out in front of me, and an appropriate response would be, uh, for the love, or as our three-year-old says, what did she say again? Come on, folks, move. She's three. She rides with her mom a lot. What then, if this is what God's expectation is of us, is to love God, what does it mean for us to love God? What's that mean? When we flesh that out of this is what it means to love God, if his expectation is love God, love people, then how do we do that? What's that look like? How do we walk in that? Um, what are some of the definitions of love today? What are some of the ways in which love is defined for us today? I guess is a better way of asking it. Excuse me? What? Okay, I, I love God. I love my wife, but I also love Americanos from Starbucks, right? What, what's, the, what's the relationship there? Like, is, do I love Americanos as much as my wife, as much as God? Do, as Sarah McLaughlin says, I love you more than ice cream or more than chocolate in her little song. Um, but... What are some other ways that love's defined for us today? What do you mean? Coexistence. Okay, so tolerance, is that kind of what you're saying? I, I love you, um, you believe this, I believe this, I'm going to show love to you and not really go there with you. You believe that, I believe this. Is that what you mean? Okay. Explain the sort of for me then. Oh, like the bumper sticker that has all the, the little yin and yang and then the 
Star David and then the cross and then whatever. Okay. Oh, nice. All of that. Okay, so she, she unpacked a lot of it for us of love is a feeling. Do you see that in our world today? How do we see that love is just a feeling? It comes and goes. Today I love you. Tomorrow I might not. Okay? Maybe. Depends on how I feel. Yeah. Then she also said, what's your name? Kim. Kim. Awesome definition. She also said that it's, what can you give me? It's based on what I get. What I get. Give me, give me what I want, and then I'll love you. But the moment where you stop giving me what I want, the love, oh, I've fallen out of love with you. Do you see that in our world today? Yeah? No? Yeah, a lot. Okay. Well, let's look at what Jesus says about all this. Remember, the setting is, is that the lawyer comes up to him. All these religious leaders are trying to stump him, trying to get him. And this lawyer comes up to him and says, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Remember, they're looking for an opportunity to catch him so that they can then testify against him and bring him to judgment. And so the lawyer comes up to him and says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus inserts what we've said over and over again already today. Love God, love people. Okay? The lawyer is kind of stumped dead in his tracks. And let's look at what Jesus talks about. What does it mean to love God? You have on your piece of paper um, the book, not the book of Exodus, but Exodus chapter 20. Look there with me, please. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God. That idea, we looked at it last week, is reflected in, of all things, the law. Usually when we hear the law, we're like, oh, that's judgment, that's condemnation. But loving God is qualified in the Ten Commandments. The greatest commandment, all the commandments fall on these two things, love God, love people. So look at Exodus 20, and what I want you to do is we're going to make mention of every Every instance where God is mentioned here, okay? Now, for those of you who are too cool for this, uh, usually what I do when I'm trying to pay attention to what the text says, I mark the text so that I can look at it, come back, process it, all those things. Okay, if you have a pen, I would mark the word God. Okay, so here we go. Verse 2 of Exodus chapter 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. So I mark the Lord right there in verse 2. And what do I learn in verse 2 about God? You tell me. Okay? Use the, this is also another rule. I have two rules. Two rules when we talk. One, use the text to talk about the text. Okay? Use the text to talk about the text. And number two, if you're a long-winded person, don't be long-winded. Okay? Real easy, because we want to learn all from each other, and if you're the one that talks every five minutes or says a 10-minute, 15-minute answer every five seconds, then nobody else really gets to process, okay? So, what do we learn about God in chapter 2? He brought them out of Egypt. What else? Out of the house of slavery. So as a result of that, what, look at what he says in verse 3. I'm the one who's brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who's brought you out of the house of slavery. Verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, so that's commandment number one. Look at the next one, verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or on the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, God, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who 
hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Note that word love in verse 6. I would also mark that word since that's what we're talking about. Loving God. Okay? So let me read verse 6 again. But showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Okay, so commandment number three. Verse eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so last week we talked about how the Ten Commandments are divided. We've got commandments one through four, and who do those deal with? Me and God, okay? Then we talked about the last six of the commandments. Who does that have to do with? Me and others. Love God, first four. Love others, the last six. Okay, so let's walk through um, what, what these mean. Look at the first commandment, okay? What verse is it in? Verse three, okay? Before we even go, go here, who is speaking this? Who's the one talking here? Okay, Moses, but who's, who's the one giving it? God. Okay, so why is it important to know that God is the one who is saying this? Let me, let me give, it, give it to you this way. Why is it important to know that God's the one saying this versus uh, President Obama? The authority behind it. Why is that important to note the authority behind it? I mean, because President Obama's president. He won't be forever? Okay. God gives us real hope. Okay. Here we go. All right. Reel it back. Define, though, the authority aspect here. Okay, or eight. Okay, so the point is here, president versus creator, the one who made you, the one who gives you life, the one who breathed into existence everything. So compare and contrast those for me for a second. Is it important to obey your authorities? Yes. And pray for them? Yes. Okay. And then number two, where does that compare with man's authority versus God's authority? Nice. Man only has the authority that God gives him. So God's authority trumps man's authority. Big time. If we want to know what it means to love God and to please God, we need to first recognize God's authority, that God is the one who said these. These are non-negotiable. These are not ones where you can say, oh, I'll take that one, sprinkle in a little bit of that one, but not too much because that would make me a fanatic. All of it, right? And where does he start? What's number one? No other gods before me. Okay, he starts out in verse uh, two, I'm the one who has brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who has removed the bonds of slavery. Why why is that important to to recognize that aspect first? If we are a believer, the, the story of the exodus in my life is supposed to be parallel. I was in oppression. I was beaten by this taskmaster of sin that I had no control over couldn't get out of it, and God had to do some pretty miraculous things in order to deliver me out of bondage into freedom. Notice that God starts with freedom 
in the first verse here. I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I brought you out of that for freedom. And then what's he talk about in the next few verses? The law. Obedience. Do we usually think of the law as freedom? No. How do we define freedom today? I can do whatever I want. No fences. Whatever I want, I can do. That's freedom. That's a misunderstood concept of what freedom is. And we'll be talking about that as we go. So, commandment number one, no other gods before me. What does that have to do with loving God? He loved us unconditionally, so we should love him. Okay? Putting God, number one, above everything else. Okay? Let me say this phrase. What, what does it mean that God is to have no rivals in my life? Okay, he, Catherine says he shouldn't be competing for our time. No rivals. Anything else? What? Our pocketbooks. Total control. No rival in the way I spend my money. Well, that's a little personal. We're just here to come to church, bro. No rivals in my time. No rivals in service. No rivals in my energy. What else? Thoughts. Actions. No rivals in my affections. No other gods. And then what's commandment number two? No idols. How are those, how are those related? No other gods, no idols. Okay. Number two is based on the premise of number one. If you have idols in your life, what's that say about number one? He, he, there's rivals to his affection and his authority over your life, right? Yeah. Now, we, we always say this. Do we go and bow down to like trees today? Look at how he unpacks the idols right here. Notice the first one is no other gods. And then the idols one, he unpacks big time. What are some of the things he says? Don't make one. Don't make for yourself. That's the crazy thing is we take a gift, a created gift, and we're the ones that make it into an idol. And we worship the gift instead of the giver of gifts, right? Okay, what else does it say? Any likeness. Likeness of what? What's in heaven? Okay, just in case we're confused. What's in heaven? Angels. Stars. The sun. The sky. Jesus. Yeah. No, we'll get to that commandment in a second. Okay. The sun, the moon, the stars, angels. Okay, then what's the next thing? What's on earth? Okay, let's, let's unpack that for a brief second. What's on earth? Trees, plants, people, animals, all that stuff, right? Did someone say fire? Fire, lakes, waters, all that kind of stuff. Throughout history, what are the things that people have worshipped? Trees, the sun, right? Okay, animals, right? Greek mythology, a little scary, a little weird, okay? Then what's the last thing? Things that are under the earth. You Look at verse 5. You should not worship them 
Now look, this is just, this is so dumb and so crazy. And God unpacks this in the book of Isaiah where he just basically says, you are an idiot if you bow down to a block of wood. He unpacks it and he says, from the same tree, you cut down the tree, you make a little bit into an idol, then you take the little bit of the wood and then you make a fire from it, and then you go back to the thing that you've made, you bow down to it, and you say, alas, I bow down to a block of wood. And God, very sarcastically, is painting this picture of how futile and how dumb it is to worship these idols. Now, we already said this, do we bow down to blocks of wood? Anybody have a shrine of, like, some cedar in your house? How, what, are, what are ways in which we, our affection for God is rivaled by idols in our life today? Sports figures, the gym, media, what'd you say? Your car, beauty. Yeah. We'll sit for, for how long and watch a football game? Forever. For an eternity, right? For how long, usually? Three hours? Dude, 30 minutes of church? I, I'm done after 30 minutes, right? But for three hours, okay. Okay, let's unpack that a little bit more. We'll go to a Cowboys game. And what are things that we do when we go to your favorite sports team's game. What do we do? Huh? Get drunk. Awesome. No. No. What, what are other things? $10 hot dog. Scream, yell. Body paint. Okay. Buy. Some are like, no, don't do that. Uh, spend $50 on the jersey just so that you can look like everybody else. Uh, what else? Tailgate. So the three-hour game actually starts two hours before when you drive up with all your stuff. Then you got to walk a mile. You park. How much do you pay for parking? Fifty. It depends on where you park. If you parked here, you could go for free and then walk 15 miles down to the stadium. <laughs> right? So we do all of those things in order to go and to take part in this this game, and once the game starts, what do we do? Stand up for how long? If you have the party pass, you're standing up the whole time, right? Because you can see the Jumbotron. Or if you don't care about the game, you talk to your friends. But why would you pay that much money? Yeah, whatever. Okay. All right. Anything else? Is that all you do at a football game? Your team does something amazing. You cheer like, yay, right on. Way to take the pigskin. What do you do? You scream. You yell. You make an idiot of yourself because everyone else is making idiots of themselves, right? And you join in and it gets louder and louder. So time energy, your vocal cords, your pocketbook because you're buying the $10 hot dog or the $8 thing of nachos that's going to bite back later. You're going to do all of that for a football game, right? Or baseball or Duke versus Carolina basketball game. Stop it. I'm a Chapel Hill fan. Okay, so we do all that. And how does that compare to Sunday morning or our worship of God? Does it compare? Huh? It's not as exciting. God, your creator. Woohoo! You spoke into the darkness and created the light. Cheddar's 12 o'clock right? Yell, scream. I don't really like to stand up when we worship. You know, I just like to sit down. Or 
I don't really like to sing. I just kind of watch the people, what they're doing. Yeah? Are you, are you there with me? Do you see what I'm talking about? No rivals, no idols, and that's just one idol. And we all have idols. We constantly have to tear those idols down and make sure that we have no rivals. Our pocketbook um, or our wallet or our debit card, a thing that really eats at me and got to me this week is a statistic that I saw that American Christians spend more money on dog food a year than they do to unreached people groups that have never heard Jesus. More money on our dogs than people who are made in the image of God and need to hear the name of Jesus Christ. That, like a weight, just convicted me so much because I looked at how much we spend on our 85-pound Black Lab Maximus and then our tithe and our money that goes to our compassion kids and all those other things. Conviction. Let's keep going. So we're seeing that loving God is not just this like, oh, I love you today, not so much tomorrow. What's the next commandment? Oh, wait, before we get there, why should we not worship these idols? God is a what? Jealous God. And that's kind of hard to understand because when we think of jealousy, we think of, you know, angry spouse taking out, you know, the other girl or the other lady. Or date number three taking out date number one because she really wants and is jealous over the guy. Right? Is that what we're talking about here? No. We're talking about holy, righteous God who's created us and says, love me, no, put me first, no rivals and no idols and that he's jealous for our affection. He's jealous for our service. He's jealous for our love. And look at what it says, that last verse right there. If we have rivals, if we have idols, what's it say about us? That we, what's the verb here? Do you see it in verse 5? Hate. So we think that we love. Oh, I come to church every Sunday. Or I do this or I do that. Or I don't do this or I don't do that. But I still have all these idols. And what's God really say? What's the verdict? Love or hate. It's pretty strong right there, right? Then look at the contrast in the next verse. What's he say in the next verse? He hates... Those who worship those idols, he's going to visit the iniquity on the fathers and children. And well, you can talk to me about that later if you want to. What's the next verse, though? But what will he do? Loving kindness. That's an awesome word if you don't know about it. That should be one you look up. It's a covenant, lo loyal love. Loyalty, mercy that God extends to us when we don't deserve it. Hesed is the word, H-E-S-E-D. He gives loving kindness, and what else? Uh, not what else. Showing loving kindness to thousands, and then he unpacks who those people are. To those who love me and... Oh, so he kind of qualifies what love is right here. Those who love me and... What do those have to do with each other? Love God, keep commandments. He ain't number one. You don't really love him. Right? What were you going to say, Stone King? Yeah. Awesome. So the motivator is love God, 
then I keep the commandments? What if I try to mix those up and keep the commandments without really the love God part? Can't do it? It's what? It's hard? And you're going to royally screw it up, right? If love is not the motivator. Okay, what's the next commandment? Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, what's that look like? What? Somebody screamed something. Using God's name as a cuss word. Okay. Uh, The Hebrew on this might help us a little bit. Let me read this to you. Hebrew, this word is translated, uh, the word translated vain literally means empty or without content. Uh, To be of no value, to be worthless. Do not take the name of the Lord your God and make it worthless. Make it without uh, meaning. Therefore, to take the Lord's name in vain would be to treat his name as worthless. So is that just an OMG type thing? Just with our speech? Do you hear people take the name of the Lord in vain all the time? Yeah. Where the only time Jesus is really mentioned is when someone hurts themselves? Yeah? Okay. But is that all that it's talking about, just our speech? Don't make the name of the Lord your God worthless. How how does that impact the way we live our life? Okay, don't say that you love God and then not exhibit it to other people. If you're a child of God and you bear the name Christian, what's that mean? You're supposed to show God through your life you're an ambassador. You're a little Christ, right? Christ follower. And we give, the op- we give people the opportunity to blaspheme God's name, to make it stupid, to make it worthless when we don't love God, when we don't exhibit all of this. So, yes, does it have to do with your speech? Big time. But it also has to do with the entirety of your life, of making God's name worthless yes it is a sin that's what we're talking about totally what's the next commandment remember the sabbath day and keep it holy right what does that have to do with first of all who's involved not just you but your donkey Family, employees. Now, just in case we're confused, remember the Sabbath day. How do we remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? What's the example Jesus gives right here? Or not Jesus, Moses and God. Rest. Rest from work, right? To stop working. And what are the examples that are given at the end of the text? Verse 11. Creation, what's that have to do with remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy? Okay. The example of God, who has limitless energy, is always awake, always working, right? God, for our example, said six days you work, one day you don't. For our good, right? What's that have to do with loving God? Give us time to focus on him. Recalibrate, maybe. Lord, what are the things that are rivaling my affection for you? Recalibrate. Okay? Having enough energy to do it again. Or maybe recognizing God's sovereignty and saying, I've done what I can. Now you, you're, you almighty God, do your part. I have to sleep. I can't be alive all the time, 24 hours, going, 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 going. I can do so much, and God, you be blessed by what I did. It's weird that that's love God, though. Taking everything into consideration, 
What's it look like for you to love God based on these four commandments? Okay? Your lifestyle. Tell me about it. Your lifestyle. What are the four commandments? If we were to take this text and to examine your life, it's called application. If we were to take the text and allow it to evaluate your time, your energy, all those things, what would that mean? Loving God looks like, are there rivals? If there are rivals, what do we do? Huh? Get rid of them. We say, peace out, missions people. Love you. We say, okay, here's the rivals, God. Forgive me. This is sinful. Sin. Help me to cast down these idols. Or if you're... Well, we'll, we'll keep going and maybe this will make sense. Look at Deuteronomy 6. I want you to do this one on your own. Um, I want you to go through Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. And I want you to pay attention to every time that it talks about these words or the word of God, okay? Anytime it says a pronoun for it, like verse verse 6, it actually says these words. I want you to mark that phrase, okay? Go for it. Give you a couple minutes. All right, I'm getting a couple blank stares. Are we done or are we, like, where am I? It's Sunday morning. What did I do last night? Anybody in that face? Okay, good. Look at verse 6. What do we learn about these words? Okay, they're commanded by whom? God. And what do we learn about God in verses 1 and 2? Kind of qualifies it for us. The Lord, our God, the Lord who is one. This is that thing we were talking about last week, the Shema, the basic uh, confession of the Jewish faith. This is what they would pronounce all the time. This is what they would say all the time, okay? These words, they're commanded to you. What, what about them, though? First off, they should be where? On your heart. What else? Teach them diligently to your sons, just in Sunday school or Sabbath school. No, he kind of qualifies it even more. What's he say? It's a way of life. Yeah, look at verse 7. When you sit down in the house, when you're hanging out, when you're eating lunch, eating dinner, talk about them. Talk about the words. When you walk by the way or when you're in your car, talk about them. When you lie down at night, talk about them. When you rise up in the morning, talk about them. What are we talking about again? The Word. You shall, verse 8, bind them as a sign on your hands, and they will be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Why? Why are they... Why are they putting them on their hand? Why are they putting them on the forehead? Why are they writing them in their house? Why are they talking about them all the time? Never forget. Constantly remember. Why is that important? It's easy to forget. What does loving God have to do with God's words and remembering God's words? 
It's easy to forget. Keeping his commandments. What do you mean, Katie Mae? Yeah. The heart, look at the, the first part of the, these verses right here. Verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. We've seen that before, right? This is the verse that Jesus quotes. The heart, biblically speaking, is not like your heart, like Miranda just had stuff done on her heart organ. Anybody know what the heart actually is? The innermost part. It is the seat of all of your emotions. The soul is the center of man's personality. So love for God was to permeate the very essence of who you are. Not just this outward thing that you did, but it was to come from the inside and to be overflowed on the outside. God's word, not our emotions, not our feelings, not our intellect not our physical cravings, should be our guide for life. We love God as a basis or from God's word, changing us on the inside out. Okay? Let's keep going. All throughout the day, these were to be in your conversations. These were to be talked about. These are to be remembered. Now, do we, do we have people today that go around with them on their forehand and on their forehead and all throughout. When's the last time you saw somebody maybe in Israel with a big thing on their head? They actually still do this in Israel. But what's this talking about for us today? What? Your forethought? What do you mean? You should be meditating on the word. Throughout the day. Amanda, tell us how, you, how, how this is lived out in life today with the Word of God. You're welcome. Yeah, how do you do this? So for the love, if we, if we love God, what do, what do we have to be doing in the Word? We have to be. Can you love God without doing this? No, because we're, we're, we forget. We forget our, what our motivation is supposed to be. We forget what, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be living pleasing to the Lord. We forget all that. So can we do that by doing this little... Well, on Wednesday, I come to this, and on Sunday, I do this. It's like telling somebody you love them, and you don't know them. Or telling somebody you love them, like relationship right here. Oh, I'll see you next month. We'll hang out. Or, yeah, we'll, we'll see each other for five minutes, and then I, I got to go. Peace. Right? So we get this when it comes to our relationships with boyfriend and girlfriend, but when it comes to our relationship with God, no rivals, what are we supposed to do? In the Word. Meditate on it. I always use the example of a cow. We're in Texas so we can talk about cows. What's a cow do when it eats? It chews and chews and chews and chews and chews. Swallows. Stomach one, throws it back up. What's it do? Choose, 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 swallow. Stomach number two, oh, it's there for a second. What's it do? Yes, cows regurgitate. Choose, 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 choose. That's the picture of meditating on Scripture. When's the last time that you meditated? This week, if you weren't here on Wednesday night, I asked you, to preach the gospel to yourself every day. To preach the gospel in the morning, to meditate on the gospel, to chew on it, 
and to allow it to be the motivation of obedience in your life. Chew, chew, chew. And when God gives you the opportunity, here's the gospel. Regurgitate it. Sure. We are emotional creatures. This is truth. Truth trumps my emotions. Truth trumps the way I feel. God, I don't feel like it today. Truth, put it in. God, I don't feel like I'm loved today. Truth, put it in. God, I don't feel like I have a purpose in life. Truth, and I live it out. That's the whole thing of emotions. Yes, God created us with emotions, but our emotions aren't to dictate how we live our life. Our emotions are to be put in, back into center, with the word of God as our guide. That's why meditating on truth is so important. Okay, so for the love, if I love God, no rivals, all these other things. For the love, I spend time in God's word. It sounds like I'm just telling you to do a bunch of things, but we'll end with this. Look at Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 and 13. Moses, again, is calling for the instruction and the commitment to the Lord. And look at the things that he says, verse 12. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? Okay, so this is what we're talking about. Expectations. God, what are your expectations of me? Number one, what is it? Fear of the Lord. I might maybe put a number one beside of that because that's pretty important. This is where God tells us what he wants from us. Fear the Lord. We'll unpack these in a second. What's the next one? Walk in his ways. What's the third one? Love him. And serve him, number four. And he qualifies how we're supposed to serve him with all of our heart and with all of our soul from the inside out. And then verse 13, what's the last one? To keep the commandments or the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I, commanding, which I am commanding you today. Underline this last phrase, please. For your what? Good. What's it mean to fear the Lord? Reverence? Is it like Friday the 13th type fear? No. How, what, what do you mean reverence? Respect? Anything else? Awe? Wonderment? So God's asking you, be amazed. Be in awe of what I've done and who I am, and then the next thing is, number two, what? Walk. Walk it out. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, how's your walk? What's that mean? Somebody explain what that means, your Christian walk. How's that have to do with the way I walk, though? The application of your relationship with God. If you love Christ, if you abide in Christ, what will you do? Walk in his ways, right? Okay, so all reverence, then I walk, and then what else? What's the next thing? This is the job requirements of being a Christ follower. Awe, be in awe of who God is. Number two, walk in his ways. Number three, what is it? Love him. What kind of love are we talking about? What kind of love have we been talking about all day today? Is this like, oh, I love him? Or some of these weird songs that we sing that you could insert the name of your girlfriend and it be true? Draw me close to you. Never let me go. Is that what we're talking about? This like emotional love? This is tough as nails type of stuff. This is 1 Corinthians 13. That's not something that you blow up and put in your house and put love and hearts and all around it. That is hard as nails, tough. Love is patient. God, I'm not patient. Make me patient. It's hard. Love is kind. I'm a jerk. I need help with this. God, help me do this. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not what I can get from that, but what I can sacrificially give, that's love. Not this kind of flowery, mush, in one day, out the other day type of misconstrued love that we have today. 
Love God. What else? Serve him. Why, why the connection between love God, serve God? If you love somebody, you want to do something for them. Anything else? Shows his love to others. What kind of love is this? I can't just hoard this. I can't just put this in the bank and sit on it. I've got to give this to other people. What else? Awe, reverence, walk in his ways, love him. What's the next one? Serve, finally, number five. Keep his commandments. All throughout scripture. That's how it goes. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments in John chapter 3. Now, last part, you have an example, and you can take this with you, of this type of love that is like tough as nails type of love. The first time that love, worship, and sacrifice are used in the Bible are within this story that I've given you, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Tough love, tough obedience that's out of love. Sacrificial love, not some like, oh, I love you, God, but hard as nails, tough to do, can't do it on your own type of love. And remember the last part of Deuteronomy right there. It's for our good. Anything that God commands us to do is for our good. When God tells me not to lust, not to commit adultery, it's for my good and the good of other people around me. When God says, don't have any idols, it's for my good. Because what will those idols do? They will destroy me. When God says, no other gods before me, well, it's for my good. That's different. We usually think of commands as for our confinement. I'm not really free because I have these commandments. No, it's for our good. It's a loving, good God who gives gifts, wanting you to keep it in right relationship. Because remember what we said earlier today. We take our idols... Idols are gifts that God gives, and we worship and serve the gifts rather than God. We worship and serve the person, we worship and serve the thing rather than the giver of the good thing. We take something that's good and we pervert it into something that's bad. And the thing we need to be reminded of is that God is El Quana, El Quana, jealous God. He will deal with it. So to love God, somebody define that for me, please, after all that we've looked at today. What's it mean to love God? Put him first. No rivals. Be in his word. Spend time with him. God is a, his love language is quality time, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, All of them, right? So if we really love God, let me read this to you. This is what it means. Those of you that are online, you can see it right there. The decision to be a Christ follower begins with a profound sense of gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ. I brought you out of Egypt. God brought us out of slavery. Profound sense of gratitude. To truly love God is to totally commit your life to him. The love for God we've seen in this lesson is not warm, fuzzy feelings. It's a love expressed in action. Love is a verb. It is in serving. It's in obeying. This love involves an absolute surrender that dominates your emotions, directs your thoughts, and determines your actions. Relationship with God is not achieved by attending church or by going through the rituals and motions of religion Our love for God is best expressed through our undivided allegiance and with our whole heart. As we study the word of God and learn who he is and what he has done for us, the natural result is to love him with all of our heart, 
our soul, and all of our might. This kind of love will permeate our being, that our lifestyle and our worldview will be totally, radically, revolutionary focused on Him. And everyone else around us will see it. Love is an action word. We show our love for God by obeying His words. How else would our love for God be measured? How are you doing? In what ways is your love for God evident in your life? Is it just a song that you sing or is it a lifestyle that you live? Let's pray. God, you are amazing. We are in awe of who you are, that you have brought us out of slavery. You have brought us out of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your son. You have spoken into the darkness of our hearts and created the light that we are to shine like stars in the heavens in a wicked and perverse generation. Father, I'm not deceived in believing that everyone in here loves you. I'm not deceived in believing that everyone even knows you in this room. So, Father, I ask that you would remove the scales from our eyes, that you would unplug our ears, and, Lord, that you would give us a true condition of our hearts, that you would allow us to evaluate our love, our affections for you, that we would be a people that are marked by loving God the way that God says we should love him. Lord, help people to not view this as um, just stick in the mud, tough as nails where we, we just have to check off all these lists of things that we do, but help people to see that this is something that encompasses every part of who we are. Our affections, our love, our devotion, our actions, and that it all begins from the inside, our heart, our soul, and our mind. Lord, help us to be those people that love you the way that you have loved us in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We ask that you'd speak to us across the street and continue to show us how that we might love you more deeply through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.